Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. I'm Paul and I'm here with... That would be me. It's Gar. Gar. Today's little episode is about criminally underrated artists, according to us. Super subjective and divisive term. These lists normally online make my blood fucking boil. They'll have people like Bon Jovi. Underrated. Why? No, maybe not Bon Jovi, but you know what I mean. You yeah. read Overrated and under, underrated are two of the most annoying lists yeah. to read. So we decided to do one. Absolutely. Well, the however, problem, however, our one is really good. Yeah, this is a solid little list. Um, the problem with people saying underrated is, I always found, is that when people find out that you don't like a band they like as much as they like them, and once they experience that a couple of times, they assume that this band is underrated. Yeah, so there's also so many different ways you can look at it critically, commercially, and um, another one of there's also different ways to be underrated. For instance, you wouldn't consider the band Toto to be underrated mm. because well, what do you mean by that? But if you look into it, they're super underrated in terms yep. of musicianship oh, and, yeah, and talent. Yeah. Like they're way ahead of so many bands, mm. they could play anything. Mm. And they played like I know I've mentioned this before, but they played on the Thriller album and stuff like that. They absolutely are super underrated. But th- this is more exposure mm. underrated, I think, or else they don't make lists of best of. Yeah, they're just not brought up in conversation all that often. Exactly. They're, they're yeah. kind of half forgotten about a little. Semi forgotten, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is basically uh, this is this is my favorite playlist we've done. Yeah. To listen to straight through. Mm. To be honest with you, and the people going looking at some of this list going. They're not mad. They're not over underrated or whatever. That book. Well, maybe you're just more into them than the average Joe. This yeah. is this is aimed at people. That, that, listen, this whole thing here, this entire exercise in doing this podcast, is not for us to be the high and mighty fucking skeksis. Speak for yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, but no, we're, yeah, we're, we're not trying to like be the fucking gatekeepers of new music but no we're just trying to spark conversation yeah if yeah. we can if we get people listen to some new stuff and like we're learning about new stuff all the time as well um, yeah. so like everybody's winning uh, like when we were building this list for, for the underrated bands like I was going through my own going through my own kind of concepts like you were just talking about about why would they be considered underrated yeah like, like you said is it musically is it a popularity contest? Is it just people don't talk about it? Or is it one yeah. of these things that... Like, you know, everybody just... Every now and again, there's a band or a group where you personally catch on to. And you get mad into that group. And it just washes by all your mates. Yeah, this can, tie in, this can also tie into the misunderstood playlist mm-hmm. a little bit. There's certain elements that I find are underrated about these bands. They may be... Some of them are... A couple of them are quite commercially do quite yeah. well, actually. So anyway, without further ado... Give me your first underrated artist. My first one is going to sound like an absolute wanker's choice. And uh, my first one is Oscar Peterson. He was a jazz pianist. Um, he died in 2007. He was born in uh, 1925. Fucking horror. That makes him 89? He was, I think, 88-ish. I checked that out earlier. I yeah. didn't do that math. Are you mad? Yeah, he's old as dirt. Those people go, he can't even count. <laughs> How did he do that? Um, yeah, he was old as dirt. He was Canadian. And I was never mad into jazz. It, it, jazz is very confusing if you're not brought it's up with it. Um, skibbity boo, skibbity boo, yeah, skibbity boo. Yeah, um, I never, I was, I wasn't really brought up in a musical household, really. So I never had it. I was never. Um, I mean, there was, there was. My dad had like tapes and records and all, but they were all the same garbage everybody was listening to. You know, 
not even it was like Frankie goes to Hollywood and Queen and like mm. you know the, the usual kind of like poppy rocky stuff of the of the kind of eighties. So that, I got I got late seventies kind of um, folk yeah. and early eighties pop. Yeah, which is not a bad mix. Yeah, it's not a bad mix. But like there was nothing there was nothing like this in my household in, in anybody in my family. Oh, yeah, me neither. No, there's never going to be jazz. Like jazz was just not that's posh people music. You know, it is. It's, it's extraordinarily po- poor from some yeah. shack outside a fucking swamp or you're mad rich and you go to these clubs um, but a couple of years ago I was in the States and I went to a jazz club um, it was just kind of by accident went into this little it was like an old it was in, the, in, in Detroit and uh, apparently what it was it was like an old speakeasy and uh, it, it had been boarded up and in like the year 2000 or something like that the building that the speakeasy was hidden in was being renovated and the builders knocked down a wall and found this fucking speakeasy behind the wall. And everything was still in there. There was a little stage. There was all these red drapey curtains. It was like proper kind of gangster fucking hideout type of place. So they renovated it. And they gave it another lease of life and turned yeah. it back into a jazz club. So I randomly ended up in here one night. And there was a little jazz three-piece in the corner. Just double bass, piano, and a drummer. And sat there just drinking fucking whiskey and pints. And I had a wonderful evening. And because of that, because I had spent the night being surrounded by it, I then wanted to go and learn a little bit more about jazz. Now, there was a pal of mine at the time who gave me this CD, this Oscar Peterson CD. And he said, listen, I listen to a lot of jazz, but like this is the one that... This is kind of like... It's not necessarily approachable, but it's... You're not going to get in trouble knowing fuck all about this dude, because he's not super popular. Now... In hindsight, looking at the amount of awards that he won. I was about to say, in the jazz scene, he probably is. Yeah, exactly. So realistically, you're talking about jazz being underrated. Well, (laughs) well, well, the whole deal with Oscar Peterson Peterson to me is that he never reached the household name level. Exactly, yeah, no, that's fair. Like, if you look at whatever, Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie and so on and so forth, you'll never hear anybody talking about Oscar Peterson. It's also from our perspective sometimes. Absolutely. Come on, you know. Absolutely. If you grew up in a household, like I said, that appreciated this music, definitely... I'd say somebody talked about about Oscar Peterson. But I remember listening to the CD, <coughs> and it was very interesting, and I liked it. But what I liked mostly about it was that Oscar used to do this thing when he played piano, where he'd like make mad kind of Scooby-Doo noises to keep himself in time. So in the background, like the, 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 the microphone was obviously kind of in the body of the piano while he played. He's a very famous uh, pianist. I think they call him like the Maharaja of the Keys or something like that. They gave him a load of these names. But um, you could hear the microphone picking him up going, It sounded like fucking like that Sasquatch talking. Like, you know shit. what I mean? And it was just him keeping... Yeah, but that's what it was. It was him trying to keep time and him kind of filling in in like the harmonies and the melodies while he cut in and out. Yeah. And uh, he's, there's been a, he's done covers of fucking Beatles songs during his day. He's done a load of this stuff. But the Oscar Peterson trio, uh, trio stuff is very good. Um, that's where it starts getting really interesting. We had a nice little set band. The song I picked is called Swamp Fire. It's just a cool little piece. Yeah, I like that. Like, it's not, it's not super advanced. You know what I mean? And it's not stupid either. Um, he, apparently, he was reading about him. He started playing trumpet when he was a kid, but he had tuberculosis, so he had to stop. Jesus. So we start playing uh, piano. You need to not have tuberculosis. You pretty much need to not have TB if you're going to play wind you instruments. can't play tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he apparently he suffered with arthritis since he was a kid as well. So the last couple of years of his life, he could really only use one hand. 
and to play piano. And all his, all, his, all his peers are like, well, him with one hand is better than most people with two. Jeez, That's how right. fucking yeah. bananas good he was. Yeah. Uh, he died of kidney failure in his home in Ontario in 2007. But out of all the jazz guys that I've ever listened to, I, I don't know, he might not be better than them, but he's he kind of my guy because he's he was my little entry into it. You know, the first metal band you ever heard from Metallica, they're probably going to say that we are favourite metal band of all time. You know what I mean? So these Oscars always my... Yeah. He was my go-to guy, but he's my first pick for criminally underrated. Yeah, that's a good one. Right, what is your? My one is Oingo Boingo, Just Another Day from 1985. Oh, listen, this is mental. So good. It's actually one of the least mental songs. For it's real? It's actually quite a it's so commercial. Good, so good. It's so very good. It's such a good song. It's my favourite song by them, I think. This is from the... Uh, if you, well, if you know Wango Bongo, the, well, the well-known Dead Man's Party album. Dead Man's Party is their biggest album, I'd say, probably. It's also Danny Elfman's band, if you didn't know that. Really? I did not know that. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. I don't know when about this band. This is Danny Elfman. I've heard the name, but I've never ever listened to him. Yeah, so this is Danny Elfman's band before he was composing. Really? Yeah. Fucking hell. And he has one of the best voices. My favourite, I'll say best. He's got one of my favourite voices. It's shockingly good. Like, the notes he can hit, so high and so really? low. And uh, how are the songs not all the same? Well, this is what happens if I get paid mad money by one guy to yeah. do one style, yeah. which was ultimately the breakup of Oingo Boingo. To really? Be yeah. See what happened was right. So Oingo Boingo get asked to do Weird Science by was it John Landis. Mm. So I think that was their first time they were asked to do a song for a movie, and then that's just that just gets you hooked into it. Weird Science. I don't even really particularly like that song. They don't like that song really. Mm. It doesn't really. It's not exemplary of them. Not really, no. Um, sorry, it's John Hughes, not John Landis. He, it, 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 it's weird because Oingo Boingo have a bit of scan there, and you know how much I actually. I just <laughs> realised that we we give reggae an awful time. It's not really reggae we hate. It's ska, really. It's not. It's not. It's out of it. It's, it's out of it. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. But ska to me hurts me more than reggae, so I should give. Reggae, I'm going to give reggae a little break, and give ska a little bit of a dig. In the face there. <laughs> so. <laughs> I hate it so much. You hate and reggae. I, I fucking hate at least, at least reggae stays away from the fucking fast trumpets. Yeah, it's just, it's all shy. It is. But at least you got it in there. So anyway. Digs like, in. Digs in, reggae. They're a super influential band. I, t- I think. Now it's hard because they, they were lured by, they did so many soundtracks. They, they put so many songs to soundtracks until finally. Tim Burton said to him, Tim Burton's first film, Pee Wee Herman. He goes, can you do me uh, some songs for this? And he kind of said, actually, I'd rather stop doing songs. I want to do orchestral bits mm. with a thing. And that's where Danny Elfman mm. was sort of born from that. And as well as that, it's also the sort of start at the end of Oingo Boingo. Yeah. When he starts getting paid mad money and get his name out there like that and stuff like that. He still was doing Oingo Boingo stuff, but it's, they're waiting around on him. Yeah. And then I think when Nightmare Before Christmas came out, that's literally... You're not getting there, Danny Elfman, then. Mm. I think they released one Oingo Boingo album. You know, I've never seen that film. Have you not? I'm never going to do it. Really good. I know people, I know what people are like about it. Not but it's to. very good. I can't watch For a any, musical. I can't watch any of them, uh, whatever his name is, the Tim director. Martin. Yeah, I can't watch his films anymore. Done. That's fair. So, like, yeah, that was sort of, like, to be perfectly honest, that was the end of Oingo Boingo, really. They have some absolutely fantastic songs, like Dead Man's Party, mm. Gratitude, which is actually, Gratitude is, um, Danny Elfman's solo stuff that he put back into there. They have a song called Little Girls, which is creepy as fuck. The video's creepy <laughs> as fuck. This song called I Like Little Girls. Mm. And it's it's real ropey. 
mm. but it's because it's done kind of weird and funny. You couldn't let it go. That's all right. And then uh, no spill blood. Irish bank on no, no spill blood. Actually, maybe they picked their name from that. Um, they broke up. All the members, apart from one, kind of worked with him. And if you need a guitar, he'll get one of his mates in to, to do it for yeah. him. Except Warren Fitzgerald, who joined the Vandals. Joined the Vandals? Yep. Mad. Joined the Vandals and then Tenacious D. Mad. Um, so, Oingo Boingo, if you're not really listed to him and you didn't know it was Danny Elkman, first of all, check out his voice. Absolutely incredible voice. And if you're a fan of fucking, I don't know, Devo, Mr. Bungle, Primus, which you are definitely not. No. Uh, no, I actually don't, I don't hate Primus I hate uh, Mr. Bungle I can't do it so Wingo Bungle for me are... yeah to be underrated I have to say underrated well, most, most certainly like I said I knew the name and uh, I might have heard bits and pieces but I never went down that rabbit hole yeah. at all so that was my first one what's Very your good. second one uh, Tricky Black Steel oh so good it's Bananas it's so Bananas but you never, the, the reason I picked them loads of people know the name Tricky yeah in my head I'm like really is he yeah, but who the fuck ever talks about Tricky? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? In the grand scheme of like the Bristol, like Massive Attack, and like even the other side of things, Fat Boy Slim, yeah. that thing. Yeah, Tricky, Tricky kind of stopped or something. He, he just st- he disappeared. Like he put out shit ton of albums, and he still does bits and pieces. But like, yeah. and I listened to a lot of them, and they are good. So in that terms, he kind of is underrated because he didn't really keep it up. But the, 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 this uh, the first album. This is not the first album called uh, Max and Quay. Great album, and uh, it's just. Start to finish is just super. This song in particular is so fucking grim, but like layered and beautiful. Like. And weirdly upbeat. Yeah. So, yeah. such a, I mean, get that mix together of upbeat. It kind of reminds me of sometimes what Debt and Vegas do. Yeah. Upbeat, but grim and oh, dark. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff. Got fucking dance music. Like. It's like you made a happy <laughs> song, but you turned, you went into like logic or whatever and turned all the instruments yeah. to the horrible dark shit. So, like, Tricky, Tricky would have been very much a pioneer of the trip hop scene. And uh, he would have got all that. He was originally a member of Massive Attack. And uh, before Massive Attack got real big, he was on their first album, he was on Blue Lions. That's right. And uh, then he kind of fucked off. And I think there was a little bit of blood, bad, bad blood. There was a little bit of bad blood bad there. Blood. <laughs> blood, blood. <laughs> um, there was a little bit of that. And uh, But eventually, I think they got over it and they, they, they've done a few little bits and pieces um, ever since. But he started off Massive Attack and before he launched that solo career with um, the, the album that has, has this song Black Steel in it um, over the years he worked with everyone Terry Hall from the specials Bjork he's actually in a relationship with Bjork um, he done some stuff with Gravediggers who was a uh, Rizzo from the Wu-Tang yeah, bands his like kind of horrorcore fucking bands Grace Jones and PJ Harvey um, he has a I can't read that uh, he lives in Berlin <laughs> <laughs> I can't read my notes <coughs> it's a, uh, it says here has 14 breast Susans that's best Top singles? Uh, no, top it, singles. it could be. It says Breast Susans here. But it could be uh, 14 best <laughs> somethings. Um, but yeah, he... Uh, we'll let you know when Gar figures out what he wrote down. Yeah, I was doing it on the fly. Uh, but he's 14 Breast Susans. And uh, he lives in Berlin at the moment. But the album, what's weird about it is that he doesn't do... It took him a load of albums before he would be the only vocalist on a song. It took him years to build up that. He, apparently he's kind of a nervous dude. Yeah, and uh, he's always uh, kind of complaining about his live performances, so he's not happy about them. He got on stage there uh, four or five years ago. Is it, it's, is it tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky to rock and roll. It's kind of like he has been known in the past. It's be a bit difficult or something. But maybe it's other people. I, I think it's more. Uh, I mean, I'm sure story. he is. He, he could well be difficult, but uh, but it sounds that it looks like he's just he doubts himself like yeah. so much that he kind of. He kind of fucks himself into a corner and he'll end up fucking himself over. Mm. I was reading about a performance he done a couple of years ago where he got up on stage and he just froze. And uh, 
just ha- couldn't remember his lyrics, yeah. couldn't remember anything, didn't know where he was, oh, just kind of lost his fucking mind. Um, but yeah, it took him years and years to actually put a track out where he wasn't like just kind of like a guest on it almost. The first one I remember him doing completely on his own was For Real. Remember that song For Real? Cool. For Real is an absolutely yeah. phenomenal song. Or maybe it's just called Real. Sounds about right. Oh, it's Sounds brilliant. about right, yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, it took him years to do that. Um, I just think that in the grand scheme of things, I, I, I think that because he's so instrumental in the creation of Bert and, and kind of uh, the, the push towards the, the genre known as, as trip-hop, which I think everybody likes. It's really hard not to like it. Isn't it? Like, there's, there's nothing not to like it's about cool trip-hop. It's cool and slow and it doesn't get under your skin. Yeah. It's, it's, sort, of a, it's sort of for every mood. Yeah, like it's, there's a little bit of everything in, in there, and it's nothing is poking you when you're not in the humor. Yeah, for and there's also there's nothing. To, what I like about trip hop, there's nothing detracting from it. There's not like big, like lead synth solos or big vocal solos yeah. that kind of pull you away from whatever you're doing. It that's just, what I'm saying. There's nothing in there that's gonna pinch your your mood. Yeah, it's kind of shitty '90s horror movie music where it's fucking like blade or something. You know, where there's yeah. something has to be happening, but I've you need a, lot, a bit of tension. A lot of time for trip hop, yeah. but I love when artists do it because usually it's kind of easy enough for them to do if they already have all the tech and all the songwriting yep. ability. You just slow your songs down. Yep. Now, not, I'm not saying that's how you write easy trip hop yeah. because tricky hip hop, especially Max and Quay, is so good. Yeah, it's bananas. You can just make that exactly. But yeah, uh, that, that's that's him. That's my uh, my choice. Uh, what's your next one? My next one was changed yesterday night. Oh, for real? Then I'm in the dark, am I? What's it? I had Osric Tentacles there. Mm. Osric Tentacles with their 16 studio albums mm. from since the 90s. And they used to record stuff on tapes and hand them out to people and stuff like that. There's no point in me talking about Osric Tentacles because they got switched last mm. minute because... I'll tell you later. Gene Clark, found member of the boards. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the boards. Mm. To be perfectly honest with you, the grand. Um he was he left the boards because he has a fear of flying which was the butt of many 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 jokes sickener upon him called he was called the board who couldn't fly etc etc the penguins just all that crack yeah he had to live with that Um, also he didn't think he was getting enough um, royalties for the music so he decided I'm going to go out on my own Bob Dylan considered him at one stage one of the three best songwriters in the world Mm. Um, so after he left the boards after a few years of releasing Bits and Bobs, David Geffen signed him to Asylum in 74. And uh, he had one album before, he, he had an album before this, but this is the one anyway that Geffen wanted him to do. And they said, right. So he starts making this album that was absolutely the pet sounds. I, mm. I don't really like saying this, but it's kind of the best description I give it. This album, No Order. The song is Strength of Strings, by the way, sorry. The album, No Order, is like the Americana pet sounds. It's hugely ambitious mm. to the point where it took way too long. They spent a hundred grand on the record, which I think in modern terms is half a million. The Chinese democracy, the yeah. Well, it's not wasn't that long, but it was <laughs> going absolutely. There was no singles off it for consider according to Geffen and all them. Um. The arrangements on it are really, really unique. Like you'd hear on kind of pet sounds, it's mm. a little bit pushing things a little bit different. He absolutely wanted this to be fuck you the boards, yeah, yeah. not fuck you the boards. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how bitter he is about all of it. But um, this album is so mental. It's like country gospel choir funk soul, brother. Check it out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it was a critical powerhouse. I've never heard this album, so now I'm interested. Critical powerhouse. They loved it. Sold fuck all because Geffen didn't promote it and almost instantly deleted it from their catalogue in a move of like, fuck you. What are you after doing to us? Now, I don't think that's a really good move for any album you spent that much money on. They're just thinking, cut our losses now and don't spend any more. I think he did a little mini tour and it wasn't enough because they weren't promoting the album. You need, if you're signing with someone like Geffen, you're going to yeah. promote it. If you don't promote it, it's not going to happen. Um, the, the album cover is horrific unfortunately it's <laughs> one of the best albums with one of the worst album covers yeah. it's like a 90s 20 montage or collage it doesn't really work for me at all uh, he never he never recovered from the album not doing well because if you if you listen to me you see how much work was put into it I think once that once you don't get what you were looking for that was it you're fucked did I ever tell you the story about my first band when I was like 14 uh, we got offered to be signed to Geffen Records and they wanted to fly us out to Hawaii. They had some studio in Hawaii. And uh, I still have the letters at home. So uh, there was a friend of the bassist in the band at the time. Um, like a friend of the family who was like some limo driver. And he, this would have been like mid-90s. Yeah, mid-90s. And uh, we recorded this little shitty demo. Little four-track. And this would have been around the time that like Nirvana and I was huge. And Silver Chair and all this malarkey. And a demo tape got put into the hands of this limo driver who passed it on to some rep from Geffen who was visiting, going to some studio in Ireland, some big band were recording. And uh, JJ72. I don't know who, who the fuck it was, but they were after somebody and they were doing something with somebody and they got hold of the demo tape and I ended up going back to Geffen and uh, I got a letter in the post one day because it was my address attached to it. Got a letter in the post saying, uh, We'd like to invite you out to Hawaii to demo some songs. And uh, uh, with the possibility of a contract with Geffen Records, and my man that didn't believe it was real and wouldn't let me go. Oh, they thought someone was going to like capture me and rape me, and they wouldn't let me go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, so I'm sitting here with my arms folded. Do you know what I, you should do? <laughs> One of these days, you should surprise. Send an email say I'm su- able to go now. Su- surprise. <laughs> <laughs> my parents will let me go now. Yeah. Oh away. man, grab because we've been waiting. Just, <laughs> the music, the music scene, still the exact same. You'll be fine. You should, you should do up some fake tickets for Amanda to Hawaii, and then let them go. To the, them. Let them go to the airport and all. Yeah. Then go. What is this? That's not a real ticket. You, then might, they, then they you might get captured and raped, man. Yeah. You can't go. You can't go. Sorry. It was only a Sorry joke. about you. No, they thought it was just some fucking, some like kitty fiddler was trying to like capture us. And uh, I just, my ma rang all the fucking other parents involved and they were like, oh no, 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 how, where's it? They, we might as well have been Venus. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, there was no internet, there was no nothing. Nobody could look at nope. I'm like, get from record, like, guns and roses. Like, I'm showing them the logo <laughs> and all. Like, it's the same on the fucking letterhead. And uh, <laughs> now, now, it, was like, it actually came from like America, man. Like, the stamps and I was like, no, no, that's someone stealing you. No, it wasn't Elgo. Sorry about that. To this day, fuck you, man. Uh, that's a good story. Jane <laughs> <laughs> Clark died in '91 anyway. And um, the reason, uh, the reason I picked it last minute is because this album is now being reissued by 4AD. Okay. Big announcement yesterday, which the, the internet is super, super happy about. Because I was, I was trying to buy this one of the first presents or whatever Bananas money for a time. few years not really no they just I suppose it wasn't popular they just weren't it, they made enough of it but it just wasn't very uh, it wasn't very good quality the ones I was looking at were all like wrecked looking yeah. and stuff like that but, and, and I, I, was, I said I'll hold, I'll hold out and lo and behold after watching do- I watched a documentary about him it's called um, 
If you want to know more about them, the documentary is The Board Who Flew Alone. If you can't download it, unfortunately, you had to buy that on DVD. Imagine mm. me buying a DVD. For real? Um, so 4ID have announced it. Uh, 4ID are one of my favourite labels. And um, it's going to be out in, I think, November. So even if you pick it up on CD or record or just stream it, you stream it now if you want, but the remaster one's going to sound absolutely deadly. It's an, it's an album, one of those anomaly albums that cost far too much. Scope was too big for the record company to give a fuck. They didn't even give a fuck about it. So. And it, it produced no fucking singles. No. Not really. The strings, to, zero strings. strings. If you listen to it there, you'll get a feel for what it's like. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'll give that a bang because I don't, I don't yeah. know that, and that sounds interesting. Uh, who's your next one? Uh, my next one, as previously talked about on the listener submission podcast, is uh, the band uh, universally known as Dalek, but uh, actually Dialek is what they're called. Um, I picked a song called Shattered, which is like that big, big song. Uh, it's probably it's not the greatest example of what they do it's not dark enough or grim enough or heavy enough mm. it's a little bit poppy and because of that it's the most popular so it's if you're, if you're trying to get somebody into this group then this is probably a good little um, entryway they started in New Jersey in 1998 and they're like an experimental hip hop band but they bring in elements of like shoegaze and kraut rock as well as like traditional hip hop now what's kind of fucked up about it is that uh the, the the vocalist Will um, MC Dialek he he kind of contests that to a degree so people are always talking about shoegaze and you know kind of the drony kind of factor the the noise and experimental and industrial factor of that group and um, he 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 will always describe it as just purest hip hop purest hip hop like they take samples they fuck with them if they, it's all taken from samples then he's not wrong yeah, it's pretty much I mean they do it's not classic hip hop yeah, it's not classical hip hop um, but he tends to think it is I, I, I think um, I, I don't think he thinks the music is classic hip hop but I think he believes the process is 100% hip hop and he's absolutely right um, like when they're doing it live he's got this big kind of like rig of like effects pedals he uses like guitar pedals and vocal manipulation pedals mm. and everyone gets daisy chained and he's, sta- he, he's on stage up front um, there's a there's a DJ and it's kind of a computer guy as well. It's generally a three piece. Sometimes they work as a two piece, um, because I've got somebody with with the laptop that's kind of triggering samples and all this. Um, and then they've got uh, turntables who's kind of scratching. And I think they generally tend to use uh, like Serato as well for like triggering samples as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, Will, the vocalist, he's up there. He's got his big deck of of kind of machinery and he's constantly pressing buttons and changing stuff. But it adds there's such there's such depth and flavour to this dialect stuff that it's it's almost it's almost too dark to it be appreciated. Very, very grim. Yeah, but it's not like grim for the sake of being grim. It's no, not like, you can tell that. But it's also like a dichotomy because his his vocals are bouncy enough yeah. on a lot of the stuff, and he has got a great flow as mm. well. And his style would be. Well, he, he uses hip-hop. like a classical flow, yeah. but he's interrupting that flow with kind of digital effects as well. Yeah. So he's trying to. What I like about Dalek so much is that he's perfectly happy for his vocals to really sink in into the music and just be part of it. Mm. He's not trying to take the front role. He's not trying to jump out ahead of the music. He's perfectly happy for his vocals to sit down in there, not necessarily be lost, but to be part of this. For some reason, when I listen to Dalek music, it sounds like the fucking ocean. This is going to sound weird. It sounds like the ocean. There's this 
It's like putting your, your ear to a seashell. You know what I mean? It's this kind of constant kind of hush that's put over everything. But the music is so kind of mechanical and it's stompy, but yet organic at the same time. When you, when his stuff sinks into him, when he starts his vocals, it, it becomes this, it's, it's, it's like a tidal wave. You're that kind cry. of builds. I know it's I'm being very poetic here. Jesus, <laughs> but this is, this is a group I've been listening to for years and years and years. And I, I kind of get what you mean about the sound. I think that's to do with how well it's all produced and washes together. And they do it all themselves. They really? do it all themselves. Yeah, they, they're signed great. to. Uh, I can't. I can, is it Ipiac or Ipiac? I can never Mike Patton's it. label. It's Mike Patton's record label. They're signed to. Mm. They put out their last four or five records. They took a little hiatus between uh, 2011 2015. And they kind of got back together again. One of the guys from the original lineup, I think he lives in Berlin now as well. He lives he lives in Europe somewhere. Hanging out with Tricky. Him and Tricky, yeah. Um, rocking and rhyming. And uh, that's the second time I made that joke. <laughs> second time. And there hasn't been a mention of Run DMC yet. Um, oh, yeah, I like that song. <coughs> yeah, I don't like that fucking shitty remix. Do you remember that? The heavy rock. The, the one? fucking dance, the 1999. No, no, I like the, the original rock, one. Rock yeah. And, yeah. Um, I, do you know what I like? I do think the only problem with this song for me is the lyrics are so good that the the bit, the really good bit is repeated so much in the yeah. song that I hear over and over. But that's fine because it does yeah. suit the music as well. Like I said, yeah. th- this is their one, this is like their introduction song. You know, this is Don't Eat Yellow Snow, fucking. This is this is their <laughs> fucking song, like you know what I mean? And uh, there's there's a wealth of stuff and the further you go back the darker and grimier it gets, like, you yeah. know. They have the like Will has his own little studio there in um, in the States where they produce all the stuff themselves. He has another group as well. For the life of me I can't remember what they are called. It's left me. Absolution or so, something like that. Got a little group where they uh, the, the, the guys Cybermen? No, it's not the Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Did you get that? No, I got it first of all. And then thought, <laughs> that kind of too shit. I have to fucking jump past that. And then I went, no, it's not. It, it is actually that shit. I'll go back to it. He's <coughs> um, got his own little group where they actually play instruments and, and trigger samples and stuff as well. Um, I'll, I'll remember that for the next yeah, podcast. D- d- like, I've heard a couple of Dalek songs that you've played before that in the two. One that was in, one that was introduced to the listener one, and this one, uh, I'm not into so. They're very good. Uh, anyway, that's Dialect. Have some of that. <laughs> What's your next one? Killing joke. Ah, you fucking bastard. Finally. Finally. The reason I wasn't going to put these on didn't occur to me is because we're so into them. Mm. We forget that. They're not as big as we think they are. But that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but big is a stupid fucking yeah, term. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely not as popular as we think they are. Or should be. Or should be, maybe. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm sure they're as popular, exactly as popular as they want yes. to be. Yes. Yeah, that's what I like about Killing Joke. Whatever, wherever they are, that's where they want to be. Yes, pretty I'm much. Almost positive of that. I don't think there's any other way of putting yeah, it. This, as far as I'm concerned, Killing Joke are one of the greatest bands to ever tread, yeah. tread the boards. Like they're just outrageous. They do anything from industrial synth pop, yeah, post punk, yeah. They started with post punky kind of stuff mm. with a touch of industrial, yeah, uh, gothic rock, and then obviously new wave. Um, where people will know them for Love Like Blood. Yeah, the biggest song. Because <laughs> they didn't play at the gig the last they didn't time. play at the gig um, yeah they're, they're just they're outrageous they're outrageous there's there's a couple of uh, career low points but they're they're quickly outshone by their highlights yeah and I think a lot of people may also know them if, if, if you don't know Killing Joke there's a few things you'll know them from one of them is obviously 
lovely blood if you mm. know like people will put them on one hit wonder 80s playlist which just hurts me yeah, so painful, much painful because they wouldn't have even put that they, they, they even admitted themselves that's, that's a big money song for them oh yeah they're happy enough with that yeah. they didn't really try and do it again I don't no, think maybe well, really. I don't know um, at the same time though it sits badly with other mm. 80s pop songs brilliantly badly it's really dark and it's really aggressive the song 80s as well yeah. is uh, another one that's quite popular and we all know the story behind that. That's yes. <laughs> the song that is very, very similar. Or sorry, I should say Nirvana's Come As You Are is very similar to it. Um, and there was a big legal um, court case about that. Oh, not court case, I didn't go to court. Um, eventually, no. Eventually, no, because court died or else. You know what? Uh, they go back and ask Killing It's a weird thing to ask Killing Joke about legal stuff because it's the record label we're doing, the ones going after it. Yeah. I'm sure Killing Joke were like, yeah, we're pissed off about it, but yeah, really don't. Oh, yeah. fucking, I don't. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to turn up a court or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Imagine Jazz Coleman in court. <sighs> Order in the court! <laughs> it's fucking amazing. I am the court. I am the court. Assemble different jurors. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, f- f- a funny story about that is that the record label presumably Geffen or something was like the lads said they would never heard you they said well we've got Christmas cards from Nirvana saying yeah. happy Christmas Yeah, they're definitely influenced mm. Nirvana definitely were influenced by Killing Joke there's no other way loads yes. of grunge bands yeah. were um, it also does to be fair sound like life goes on with the dams but we don't talk about that 1997 did you know that the Foo Fighters covered Requiem I picked Requiem as the song by the way yeah, I keep okay. forgetting to ask the song but Foo we're, Fighters we're more it. talking about the band yeah. yeah they covered it on a, a B-side for Colour and Shape I listened to it what? it's a shy it's not even shy it's just me it's just do you know what it is it's the exact same music like mm. the music it's almost like a karaoke track of it mm. where he, instead of him singing high another way jazz comes a high and low vote it's yeah. like two vocals sing at the same time mm. I don't know how his voice does it yeah. it's like when he sings it breaks off into <laughs> yeah, two, yeah. two or three layers it's a couple of different spots yeah. it's really fucking incredible voice mm. it's like it's, it's like two or three different singers and I, you would think that that's um Studio effects at first. No, he just does that. You just hear him talking. Yeah. And it's the same bellowing. Yeah. yeah. Millions of frequencies. That's all, of his, all of his multiple personalities. Yeah. Talking coming out at the once, same yeah. time. It's like that, except Dave Grohl is singing it all like, Good man watching. <laughs> no, no thanks. No. So, 2003, Killing Joke um, got Andy Gill to produce, uh, from Andy Gill from Gang of Four to produce their other you know, two the second self-titled second, second album. Second yeah. self-titled album, which is absolute it's just one of the greatest things ever made one of the greatest albums Andy Gill by the way Mm. funny fact about Andy Gill from Gang of Four he produced Red Hot Chili Peppers first release (laughs) and (laughs) and they got into a fight in the first day or so (laughs) because Red Hot Chili Anthony Kiedis looked at his notebook Mm. and underneath the song Police Helicopter he just wrote shit <laughs> uh, there's a man after my own heart so there's Andy Gill from oh, Gang of Four produced therapy produced loads of fucking yeah. bands as well um, also Gang of Four I like Gang of Four a lot man mm. um, he Jazz Coleman apparently cornered Dave Grohl one time not cornered well you know it feels like he probably cornered he got him he got him <laughs> and said you owe me fucking drums yeah so he puts Dave Grohl puts down drums on Killing Jokes 2003 self-titled and the drums are so good. They're so good. It's just ridiculous. It's, I can't imagine anyone else on it now. Well, you watched that documentary, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So the documentary is called The Death and Resurrection Show, named after uh, one of the title tracks of the self-titled album. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of what that album is known as. Very few people refer to it as the second self-titled album. They all call it The Death and Resurrection Show because because of this documentary. Yeah. And uh, 
So, <laughs> apparently, it was all written and recorded. The entire album was written and recorded. They had just click-tracked it. That's yeah. all. There was just a beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop. They get growling, I think in a day, day and a half, he just smashed out these fucking things. He listened to him once, went in. Like, I don't really like Foo Fighters. I'll go as far as to say I dislike the Foo Fighters. Dave Rowell as a drummer is fucking outrageous. So amazing. He's fucking outrageous. He always has been. Forever. Forever. Nirvana, it's just Flipper, whatever, all of them. Like, he apparently goes in, listens to it once, gets the little feel for it, goes in, does a layer of drums, says, go again, puts on another layer of drums, done, next track. Apparently done like two layers of drums on every track. That's why anybody... Like when Killing Joke brought in a replacement drummer because obviously Growl I think might have played a couple of gigs with them but he couldn't tour with them full time or whatever and mm. um, they brought in another drummer he had an awful hard time really? because there's fucking mad shit going on mad shit going on with the drum kit the fills are great and yeah, they're but, so sad <coughs> the, the, the recording boys is just ridiculous just everything's gated oh, their, their, the fuck. their drummer wasn't with them at the time wasn't that the case uh, their drummer just died I believe no but it's the original guy yeah he's back in now uh, yeah, it was a second goal. Right, right, yeah. He died, I believe. That's what we're talking about um, 2003 here. Yeah. yeah. It might, literally might as well be a fucking life, so it's not far off 20 years ago. Jesus. Um, but yeah, the documentary, they, um, The Death and Resurrection Show, which you can buy um, off, I think it's the Death and Resurrection Show.com. Um, you can buy the DVD there. And it's it's literally, I've shown it to people who don't even know who Killing Joke are, and they've come back going, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so crazy. It's fucking insane. When you see a band that is so into their music that all the other shit that goes with music doesn't they don't give a fuck about no. they really don't give no. a fuck about it 100% done their own thing since day one and they're um, mad they're absolutely they mad to be a bit mad well uh, when you watch when I watch that documentary they give um, they tell the story about how the band formed and two of the lads were living in some shithole flat in London or wherever and uh, they wanted to get like a guitarist and a drummer or something together so they um, they stripped out all the carpet and painted pentagrams and sigils on the floor and lit a lot of candles and had like a little black mass and done a lot of like... Oh, fucking, they were mad into that? Yeah, yeah. They had a little fucking black magic mass um, casting spells out into the universe to try and find these uh, musicians to finish off their band. Because jazz... Uh, jazz are classically trained uh, violinist or cellist and um, he plays uh, keyboard and all that. He, he originally played keyboard and yeah. when they were like, yeah. playing gigs well. and um, So uh, apparently they went to the shop or something. They went to the off to get a load of cans um, to get gargle and a bag of chips and they came back the entire apartment was in flames because the candles had caught the curtains or something and set the entire uh, apartment block on fire but while they were standing outside this lad walks up with a guitar case and another lad walked up with a snare under his arm like what's happening oh no I think we burnt down the gaff turned around two lads no way yeah, yeah that's yeah. in the yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, and that was the beginning of Killing Joke Killing oh. Joke do you know what the greatest thing about them is they are consistently putting out amazing albums and their shows, I've never, I've been to see them I think two or three times now, and their their shows are incredible. They're so powerful, always good. If you don't really listen to Killing Joke much, there's a lot to choose from. If you don't like industrial, yeah, uh, go to the early new wave stuff. But that's not really Killing Joke to be perfectly honest. With you. Like pr- pretty much, I always say to people, what you want is you want the two self-titled albums. That's your that's your bread and butter. My, my intro was Laugh When Really Bought, which yeah. is the same. It's the kind of compilation of, yeah. of them all. That was my first album I, I bought. And uh, it's the one with the the Nazis and uh, the clergy on yeah. the front of it together, you know. Like yeah. um, but just before <laughs> we move off, I know there was a lot. There's a lot of talk about Nirvana ripping them off. But did you know that Pearl Jam 
I won't maybe it was by accident but I also have a song extremely close to Give a Lift joke. Well, a big it? lift do you know the, the Jazz Coleman solo album that was because the, the record label said yeah. you're not putting out Jazz Coleman there's no singles on yeah. it and it's garbage yeah. and yeah. loads of people loads of people left it like some, or the bassist at the time left the album said I don't want credit on that yeah. Yeah. You, and, yeah. and, and by the way you're all dickheads yeah. didn't get on with them at all um, there's a song on that called Tiwanako and if you listen to that and can't hear Pearl Jam Black so clearly by the end of it, mm. they got away with fucking a lawsuit, I think, as well. Really? Perfectly honest. Skipped it. I do think. They probably didn't they want to they bring... They couldn't do two grunge bands. Yeah. Yeah, they probably didn't want to bring attention to it. So, uh, it's Killing Joke. You have to check them out. Requiem from 1980. Um, from, I think, is Requiem on the shelf titles? I think yep. it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. And um, War Dance and all that, I believe. Yeah. Uh, who's your next one? My next one come from fucking Pillar to Post here. My next one is uh, Redman, the rapper. Uh, I picked the song Time for Some Action just because it's it's a fucking beast of a song it's a beast of a song um, it's off his debut album which is called What 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 The, the Album um, Redman likes spelling things wrong a lot um, a lot a lot a lot <laughs> um, Def Jam uh, Def Jam uh, he signed to Def Jam in 1995 I think it was um, but he was known before he was a DJ for a group called Lords of the Underground. He was a DJ. And he got... Um, he kind of got picked up and taken under the wing by EPMD, who we mentioned in the 80s. In the 80s podcast, um, yeah. Kind of got taken in underneath their wing. And I think he'd done a little bit of like emceeing, a little bit of guesting on, uh, for them. He was on uh, one of their albums called um, Business as Usual, which would have been his first big kind of cameo, essentially. But... You'll only ever really hear people talking about Redman when they talk about Method Man. I thought Redman was in the Wu Tang Clang. No, Wu Tang Clang. I do that all the time. Don't worry, Wu Tang Clang. Well, do you know what I do? Because it's in <coughs> Portlandia. When I, did you ever see the? Did you ever watch Portlandia? I never watched it. No. You should watch the hip hop episode. Okay, you'd absolutely love it. All right, it's absolutely fantastic. So he's trying to <coughs> before he goes to. A, I just have to explain this really mm. quickly. He's going to a Jay Z gig. And apparently, I don't know if this really happens in real life, but it happens in the show where Jay-Z will point to someone mm. in the audience and go, what's your favourite moment of hip-hop? Yeah. So he's terrified that that's going to happen to him. Okay. So she gives him a crash course in hip-hop. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the funniest fucking thing. In the middle of it, he's just like, so much cursing. <laughs> and he keeps going, Wu-Tang Clang. He's like, it's Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Clang. <laughs> so anyway, watch that episode of Portland, the okay. rappers. I'll just search it online. All right. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so that's why I, I, was, I weirdly thought Redman was in. Yeah, no, uh, Redman has uh, he's done albums with Method Man, and they've always guested on each other's stuff. And Method Man is on his first album. That, I think they're like bestos, you know. They're just did bestos. A, did a song with um, uh, Fred Durst as well. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Remember that song? <laughs> yeah, um, he actually appeared on Tupac's All Eyes on Me album. He was on there. Uh, he was the rapper on Christina Aguilera's Dirty. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was him as well. Um, uh, he was on yeah see you're probably right in the terms of underrated because for yeah. me he always seems to feature on a lot of podcasts always like he's always. called in because he's great at coming in and doing a few bars and, he's very, and making it brilliant like, personality wise he's very witty and very like um, yeah he is yeah. Like he, I've seen interviews you see interviews and he's real sharp you're like real real sharp and um, a massive kind of student of the of hip hop history and, and, and the game itself he's on GTA Liberty City Stories as well yeah, um, he had a song on there, but I, I I never felt he got enough kind of kudos for his own work. 
And that's why I picked this song. This song is fucking outrageous. Time for some action. It's just, it's one of them absolute dropkick your grandmother down the stairs songs. It's just, uh. it's fucking, it's driving, it's banging, it's just ridiculous. And it's got this, um, it's got, uh, like we, we talked about in the other podcast where like the samples have to be fucked with to be good. They can't just be loops. You have to add some dirt onto them. Yeah. You have to fuck with that sample. It can't be just, you can't just grab a bass line or, or, or a little drum loop and have it just going, going, going. You have to mess with it. You have to fuck with it. And it's the king of it. The king of it. His, his sample work is fucking shit hot. And um, there's a particular sound. What is Buster Rhymes? Kind of. Kind of. He fucks with shit. Yeah. Like there's, 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 it's, it's like this weird kind of filters and everyone's just kind of dragged through the mud before yeah. you get to it, you know? And everyone has a particular sound that they strip something out of it so they can add it in via an extra instrument or something. Um, the... the, the the album um, uh, There's a Dark Side done real well um, it's the first single I think it was called Rockefeller which is a pretty big song as well there's so much hip hop girl I know it's bananas it's even watching that documentary I'm like there's too much yeah yeah, there's too much so much coursing so much coursing <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, here's a, a cool little fact for you so do you remember um, The Dog Whisperer the TV show with uh, Caesar Milano Caesar Milano yeah my mate used to work with him on that did he? Yeah, he was over in uh, LA, I think. Or, uh, yeah, LA. And so you remember Caesar Milano's fucking uh, <laughs> Caesar's dog, Daddy, the pitbull. Vaguely. Right. So fucking Daddy was the dog that Caesar would use as an example all the time. So somebody had a bad dog, and he he wanted uh, this bad dog to get like a bit of manners putting them. He bring Daddy in. And Daddy's this big giant, the like, gunmetal fucking pitbull, proper big bastard, right? And uh, that was like Caesar's right hand man. I found out that's fucking that's Redman's dog. Really, Caesar was his personal trainer. No way. So fucking every time they were making this dog whisperer, fucking TV show, the ring Redman. It's a Gisalendia dog. Yeah. So Redman was like, I oh, send Daddy out. But I only found out this fucking Daddy Caesar Milano's fucking dog is actually Redman's, which is fucking batshit, man. But I don't think uh, he signed the Def Jam. At the height of Death, death yeah, Jam. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's, that's Death Jam out there. Yeah, big time. Like making video games and everything. Like, you know, where lads are knocking the ball. Like, oh, he likes like, them. Savage game. Got to unlock Ice-T. Give and, me all that. And Henry Rollins. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, there was actually Henry Rollins was in it as well, so wasn't bizarre. he? Fucking mental. Mental shit. No, I just think Redman never got the fucking, never got the, the let's use the term, props. <laughs> it's allowed this time yeah exactly um, he, he just never he, ne- he never got the fucking the comeuppance he, he, he deserved for the, the his solo stuff he's very much a guest guest spot artist in the eyes of the public I believe and um, you'll, you'll rarely hear him talked about without it being um, without being in reference to like Method Man or something like that because they yeah. had albums they only like Method Man and Red Man kind of put out records together um, I think he guessed it on some Wu Tang stuff or some solo stuff as well after that I just I had to pick it because I wanted uh, it's too easy to go just rock with a lot of these playlists and just metal whenever I look over my things and thinking I'm locking them in I'm thinking there's a few things that strike me I've gone all rock or all grunge and also I know it's going to sound fucking dumb but there's no women in my playlist and I don't like that a lot yep it looks like I don't care about that when so much of my music is, is will have hip hop, will have non rock yeah. stuff, folk. Uh, yeah, just for some hope. reason, these are the fucking names that come down. Like, yeah. Again, 
most of these podcasts are going to be volume ones. So this has to be volume one. This is crippling. Yeah, there's, a, there's a bunch of them. Anyway, that was Red Man. What's next? Shuggy Otis. Oh, you fucking! I, when you, I saw you getting this one, oh, I was sickened, sickened to my fucking hole. Sickened to my hole. Did you do any? Did you do any research? No, on? I left it alone. I didn't Good. want to learn. We all feel too bad. About I didn't want to learn. Shuggy Otis, Strawberry Letter Twenty Three from nineteen seventy one. The album. Hello, my love. One of the greatest intros to a song of all time. In my top five intros yeah. that I've ever experienced in my life. Whenever I hear. Those first few seconds of Strawberry Letter Twenty Three, his yeah. version. Yeah. Um, I feel so happy. Yeah. It just it's the coolest thing. One of the coolest things that ever happened in music. It's so simple. Just the little bells and yeah. the acoustic guitar and bass. Now I know that it's covered by Brothers Johnson in seventy seven yeah. and they did a proper, really popular, super popular version of it. More funky, more funk bass on it. But give me that OG shuggy stuff, man. Because it, it's really hard for me to pick. It was for a while. It was hard for me to pick a favorite between both versions mm. because his one is like, like when I when I there we go. Go on. Um, I heard that a bajillion years ago. Jackie Brown, huh? In Jackie Brown? Oh no. It was in Maybe it Brown. was. It was in Jackie Brown. It was also in uh, Everybody Hates Chris, I think. Um, the last time I heard, what gave me the big kick in the balls about it was that um, I'm Dying Up Here, the TV show about uh, the comedy scene in Los Angeles in the 70s, which is amazing. Soundtrack oh, I think I is that, yeah. outrageous. Soundtrack is fucking incredible. Yeah. But that's what gave me the boost again for that song. I knew that song. Everybody knows the song, one way or another. But You'll know if you hear the first few bits. Oh, of it, I, think. I, I think you would anyway. But it's just, literally, this song, it feels like this song has been stuck in my head for years now. And when my brain goes blank and I stop thinking about anything, this song starts playing. Dun, 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 this is just the default dun, dun, setting. It's a default setting for my brain, what my brain hears. I might actually change my ringtone to that so that phone calls aren't as terrifying yeah. to me. It's a I'm, one those, intro. I'm one of those. You can people. answer it. Hello, my love. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Right, hit me with some shuggy facts. Shuggy facts. <coughs> you would think that it's unfair that he wasn't more. Hmm. It's all down to him. Mad fair. Oh, it's mad fair. <laughs> I think it's mad fair. I, I didn't think, I was always like, hell. Because like, the, the Freedom Flight, the album that this is off, isn't, like this is his first one, mm. but it's not the big album. Mm. The big album is uh, 1974, Inspiration Information, which is where he's bringing in folk, electronic, spacey blues, and just, it's, it's quite experimental, yeah. I think, for its time. Um, That didn't really get big until the 90s, where randomly it blew up again. And in 2000s, when I think David Bourne, who was mad into finding albums that should have been bigger, he'd be great person to have on this if he wasn't David Bourne. I'm going mad. Where the suits are six times too big for me now. I thought you said Tiny Head. Looks <laughs> 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 like one of the fucking, one of the, what's meant to be a mushroom in the Mario movie. Yeah. So, listen, somewhere between inspiration and information, I think, and his next release, the Rolling Stones asked him to play bass live. Right. And he's like, Naya Grand, thanks. For real. David Bowie said, can you play bass? He went, Naya Grand, thanks. Quincy Jones went, do you want to make an album with me? He went, no, thanks. And now I'm kind of thinking, you're on my fucking criminally underrated. It's not criminal anymore. <laughs> Apparently he was really took too much time in the studio as well, too much time to make albums and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Because he is a perfectionist and he is a multi-instrumentalist because he grew up in music because of his dad yeah. and stuff like that. He plays bass on Frank Zappa's Peaches in Regalia. Isn't that mad? That's batshit. That's mental. That's fucking... I love that song so much and I never knew that that was him playing bass on that. After 
those refusals and trying to get his, his stuff together, he couldn't really get a record deal from the seventies on, so he just packed it in. It's not gonna and happen. just found drink. Oh, for real. Love this. Is he still alive? He is still alive, yeah. Would he like to have a drink with us? I think he might. well, I don't think he'd like to have a drink, no. 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 No, he's not drinking anymore. Oh, was he not? Uh, he released loads of the stuff. This is for you, Shuggy. This is for you, Shug. <laughs> this is a Shug Knight. Mm. No. Shug Knight production. Um he disappeared for about 40 years and he has come back now with an album last year. It's probably garbage. Interfusion. Actually got these reviews. Really? I didn't get a chance to give a listen okay. but he did also release a kind of um, lost tapes thing from the... From that era. From that inspiration information Ooh. where it was just jam sessions. Very good. And that got mad good reviews because yeah. it was... He's so musical. Mm. The stuff is so musical. Someone so, leaked his mini discs to this. <laughs> no, he did himself. He made some money off it. Grant. Because he wasn't... It, it took him... It took from the mid-70s to the 90s for people to go... You know when somehow they find an album, I think Prince found it or something like that as well. Because Prince definitely influenced by inspiration information. Mm. Um, it just got kind of big again, but not enough for him to not be mad into Gargle or whatever. I don't know. To be fair, I don't know. points like. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> they're so bubbly. The few points like. <laughs> the few points. These, these points I'm having are mad bubbly. He had 30 to 40 years of lovely points. Fucking fair play to him. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's back, he's clean. He's looking great. Taking a break. He's looking great and he's still an unreal player. Okay. He really is. So, Shuggy Out is, while it is criminally underrated, because it kind of is. It is, a, absolutely. Inspiration information no needs, needs, needs to be heard. Yeah. He's the coolest looking fuck. He really yeah, is. Batshit mad looking. And I'm all so over mad. it. If I could get his face tattooed on my face, I would yeah, do it. Yeah. 100%. But if, uh, listen to this song, but, you know, whatever about Freedom Flight, give inspiration information. Go digging after it. Like, it's yeah. so much fun. The yeah. album, it's so chill though. If you like trip hop, it's not trip hop, but it's in the same vein of put it on and you know, what mood you're in. My nipples are, are hard thinking about Strawberry Lair. Oh, it's so good. I know. I really feel like playing it off my phone with the <laughs> intro. We'd get done. I, I, I feel like crying. I just want to listen to it now. Dun, 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 oh, so good. And his, vo- his voice. Hello, my love. It's oh, like caramel. It is, just melting chocolate. Melt chocolate caramel. Oh. Would you let him come inside you? That, that escalated. <laughs> just saying. Really escalated. But would you though? Who's your next one? <laughs> Who's your next one? Uh, next one is a band called Ruby. And you know what uh, about this? I, 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 I remember them, but not remember any of their songs. Yeah. Until I heard that one, and I was like, still don't remember that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, I picked a song called Flipping the Board. Um, Ruby were a weird trip hoppy industrial kind of band. Um, Where were they from, actually? They are from London. Yeah. From London. They have an English feel, um, all right. Yeah. Now, singer Leslie Rankin, she's Scottish. Um, so the band is Leslie Rankin and Mark Walk. Um, Mark Walk was in Skinny Puppy. And Leslie was the singer for this kind of weird grungy band called Silverfish. If you remember Silverfish. They sound familiar. Yeah. Obviously no skinny puppy. Yeah. Um, so she was a singer with Silverfish. Um, she has this weird kind of lisp. She has this weird kind of speech impediment. That I she, love that shit in yeah. music. I so, straight up love it. Yeah. It adds this whole I don't know what it is. layer into I it. I just love it. Um, so the album, I actually love lisps in general. Just now good old lisp. Not, um, not, not, not on a fella who's talking drunk. Yeah. That's not a good lisp. Mm. Not like a soft-spoken person. A little bit of a... It's a little, little bit of a... A, a little a, bit of a, a, a... A complication. It's a little yeah. bit of a reverb on a snare. That's it. <laughs> a little bit of top. <laughs> a little bit of siblings. Natural siblings. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the song is flipping the board. It's off an album called Salt Peter. And that came out in 1995. Now, they were signed to Creation Records. This album. is where they, I was mixing them up with uh, Skin, though, if the Irish band. Okay. They have a song called Salt Peter. There you go. 
Um, well. So there was some of the Creation Records, which is Alan McGee's record label. Alan McGee be famous for know, Oasis yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Right? He is great at foil and stuff. He is mental. Oh, yeah. I have spent much time with Alan McGee. Much time. He's Scottish as well, isn't he? I think so, yeah. It's hard to tell. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Do you know, who, do you know what he is? You know the statue in Wheelands? Yeah. That's him. Looks like him. That's about the same. With the hat on? Yeah, yeah. But that that looks like Jack Daniels or something. It looks like fucking <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it looks like Van Morrison. It does um, look like Van Morrison. Alan McGee is basically Van Morrison, um, but more statuesque. All right. Um, it's a complicated fella, but uh, a great ear, a very very good Jesus ear. Is a great ear. Um, so they formed in 1994, and it was kind of a weird mix of trip hop and noise and jazz and industrial and blah 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 blah. Uh, it's this album came out around a bit of time that like garbage would have been getting big. And I remember when I was in school, there was a rumour, you know, it's bullshit, there was a rumour that, like, Ruby and Garbage were the same band, like, the people in, like, it was all one big joint group. Scottish lead singers. I don't know where it came from, I'm not entirely sure. Because um, I think, were, were Garbage on creation at the start as well? Uh, well. I don't remember. I, well, Butch Vig is in Garbage. Yeah. That's why Garbage could only have ever succeeded. Now, in saying that, thankfully they were great. Mm. But you would feel like Butch Vig being in a band. You couldn't really fail. Yeah. With those links. Yeah. However, I don't know what links we use because all I know is when the songs came out, I loved them and bought them. So yeah, yeah, exactly. it doesn't matter where, yeah. who was doing I, what. Same, I loved Garbage. Um, this, this came out around about the same time. But the room in school that it was the same band. Okay. Oh, what do I forget? But you never, probably not. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, the room was the same band. They split up and uh, uh, Leslie and Mark formed Ruby. And the rest of it on the farm garbage. We now know that's bollocks. But for years, that's what I was telling people. Up until probably yesterday. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Are you glad you did your research before yeah, you got absolutely exactly. caught yeah. out? Now, they have a bunch of albums, but to be brutally honest with you, uh, it's really only care about this one. Really. That's um, fair. There's that's another fair one called um, uh, fucking something in the gene pool. Something gene pool. I can't fucking remember. Semen in the gene pool. Something like pill. that. And uh, that, I think that's the second album. Float, that's, that, floater, okay. floater in the gene. <laughs> it's, it's not far off that. Um, the second album's okay, but this first one is outrageous. It's like this weird. It almost sounds like hip hop. Her like, voice is bananas. It's insane. It's, it's all sample bases. No live instruments played on this. This right, is all really? samples. Oh. The whole thing is glued it's together and cut together. Drums it. it's, it's all sample bases. Fucking batshit, man. This album uh, came out. It done particularly. It done pretty well when it came out. Um, so well that in order to bridge the gap between that and the second album they done uh, a remix album uh, as was the style at the time everybody yeah. was releasing remix albums and uh, that's okay um, also whenever they released singles off this there was like six fucking remixes of every song in it you know uh, I think that big song like two big songs there's one called Paraffin it's really really good real kind of slow and evil and there's one called Tiny Meat which I'm pretty sure is about giving a hand job. I'm pretty sure it's about wanking a bloke off. Or a two finger if it's tiny. Maybe. Maybe. Um, there's another song called Swallow Baby. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in this album. That's a progression from a wank, really. Yeah, pretty much. It's the it? end of a wank, hopefully. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, Gar, our podcast was called <laughs> A Profanity Laden Mess of Nothingness. Broadcast of Nothingness. Yeah. And we're definitely living up to that now. And I'm well, so happy. I'm telling you this right now that... Um, I clicked the 18 plus button on everywhere this podcast goes. So if you're listening and you're under 18, it's your fault. You're rebel. You're absolutely you're mad, lad. You little rebellion starter. Um, 
yeah, this band. Can you imagine someone under 18 having the absolute focus to listen for hey, something for, for an hour? No. <laughs> well, they're playing Minecraft or whatever they do. It would take so much written. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a cool story about her. She, they moved to the States for a while because they were pretty big. And she moved to New Orleans. New Orleans? New Orleans. Uh, moved there and apparently at the time this would have been like mid kind of late 90s it was just this crime riddled fucking hellhole oh god yeah, yeah hellhole. It's, got, it's got a name for itself yeah uh, apparently one day she went outside for a spoke or something and saw her neighbour being killed um, being like stabbed to death and uh, she ran back inside the house and uh, got a knock on the door like two hours later with the cops they found like the, the murder weapon and the victim's clothes stashed inside her bin like next door to her gaff so the murderer had like ran onto her property and hidden all his fucking uh, all the evidence in her bins so like the next day she moved to Seattle so like I'm yeah, out see you later yeah see you later Nolans I'm done Nola I'm out of here um, but yeah she is I think based in I think she's back in the UK now she does little tours um, I don't think Mark Walk I think he, he's still a collaborator on the recorded end of it but I think when there's live stuff going on I think it's just her on a laptop now I think that's the way she walks it. Um, for years, they had a proper band. They had like musicians replicating those albums where they play live. Um, but I think now it's just horror and like a backing track, which uh, may be a little bit sad. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen. I don't know how good it is. Those are all samples. Is it really that bad? Yeah, but look, I've seen some video and it's actually horror walking up and pressing play, hitting spacebar on a fucking oh. laptop and walking off. You know what I mean? There's not even yeah. somebody lining tracks up yeah, for her. To which make it look like they're maybe a, pressing more than the button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's yeah, get a listen. weird little feeling of it. Now, to be fair, they put an album out about four years ago. Um, I think it's called Into the Light. I, I bought it off uh, the Bandcamp. Um, off of Bandcamp. And it's fucking super. Didn't buy my album it's off Bandcamp. super. You were giving that away for free and I still wouldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> You gave me download codes and all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you horrible cunt. Yeah, fuck you. Go on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy. No, I got, the, I got the last album and it's very, very good. I bought the LP. Um, at least they're still pressing LPs, which is great. Unlike you, which are download codes. <laughs> I imagine I could afford to put my music, which I couldn't, even, couldn't afford to even master for a vinyl onto a record. No, <laughs> go on. Um, no, that, that's about it. I just wanted to talk about them because... Uh, Ruby, 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 Ruby. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, I could have easily made onto the abominations. Yeah, easily. Um, I just wanted to talk about it because when I was younger, when that album, Saul Peter, came out, it was super important to me. And I still think, I still think it's, it doesn't sound super dated because it was a time and place that, like, never really had the, 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 the sounds that Ruby have doesn't really exist in an era. It's, it still sounds good, you know what I mean. It's it's recorded and produced very very well. Yeah. Obviously, if Alan McGee is kind of standing behind it, he was pushing it. Um, More not, fucking he, reverb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it's very good. Everybody should go and listen to this song. Go and listen to all these songs. This is the reason why we're creating this. But the song's flipping the board um, from 1995. It's it's a super little song. Um, and if you do like it, there's something for everybody on that album. There's real slow kind of grimy stuff, real real proper trip hop, and then there's proper like industrial. Fucking bangers! Is there any French rap? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm not listening to it. Yeah, yeah. It's at the very end, though. So you can just skip that. <laughs> What's your next one? My next one is, I would say, apart from your first one, probably the most commercial successful band, definitely on my list, possibly on both of our lists. Okay. Um. However, some bands have two sides to them. 
and Talk Talk have two massive different sides to them. So mm. Talk Talk were huge, obviously, in the early eighties mm. with synth pop. Yep. And with a kind of new romantic kind of look, they didn't really sound new romantic. They they never went full new romantic. It was mm. Synth pop, and um, with a little bit of more, like you'd if you were listening to Japan, you'd listen to maybe Talk Talk then as for for a bit more pop on top of that. Um. But the song I picked is Desire from the 1998 album Spirit of Eden, which is when they weren't really talk talk at mm. all. It was Mark Hollis writing what people consider to be the beginning of post rock. Okay. And it is incredibly long winded, but well thought out, soundscapey, mm. emotional music. And uh, it's so different because it, when Talk Talk first started out, I was reading about this. Th- they were asked like, it was like, what was the kind of major like factor that you started off doing synth pop and moved on to like kind of real instruments? They said they literally couldn't afford real instruments. They really? were making all their stuff. All their stuff sounds super synthy because it's made on keyboards. Now that's an easy way to say. Oh, mm. well, not mad proud of it, but that their, their synth pop stuff is great. I really, really like it. But it was only. A few, it was only a little while ago mm. where I started to discover the second side of Talk Talk, which was the non commercial, commercial failure side of them. Yeah. So he wants to, uh, he wants to do more music like this because he's, he's mad at the jazz since he was a kid. Mm. So he's bringing jazz influences into this. Big so he'd know who Oscar Peterson was. He would have definitely <laughs> known who he was. He would have, he would have bought his stuff on Bandcamp. Yeah. Band camp. It was actually like a little tiny camp back then, well, full of bands. It was an actual tent, yeah, full of bands. Tent, yeah. full of bands. <laughs> um, Spirit of Eden. The, the, actually, this is a weird thing about the term post rock. Post rock is forced brought back to an interview, or not an interview, a review for a different album. I can't think of where someone said it's almost like Spirit of Eden started a post rock sound, and that's kind of where mm. people come up with this link with post rock. I don't understand perfectly these terms, post punk. Yeah. And post rock, I, I get it. It's it's the elements of it moving on to the new thing, and that's kind of what this is. Spirit of Eden is a really kind of um, if you like Godspeed, your Black Emperor, sixty five days of static, that open, open landscape mm. where it's not defined in a song. It is defined in a song in terms of thing, but every single little thing is happening because it's supposed to happen at the exact right time. Mm. And you can tell that there's an idea there. Now, these apparently, these these compositions were way longer and they had to be nailed down. There's only eight songs Chopped in this album. Shite, like. Yeah, to, to make them a song and fill yeah. up the album like that. So it's basically, it's when it's when Mark Hollis started to, he died uh, this year, actually. Mm. Um, a little, one of the reasons maybe I, I, uh, I, I put him on it as well because he's, he's back on, they're majorly back on the radar. Back on the radar, get a little re-up every now and again. Yeah. Um, so it was produced by him and Tim Freeze Green, and they thought when they were finished this album, this is going to be the biggest thing. It's going to be huge. Mm. People just weren't ready for it. Mm. Talk Talk fans weren't ready for it. Talk Talk basic fans weren't ready for it. The record label didn't like it. Too no far no single though. There isn't really a single on it. Yeah. They actually, this, the only single off it is a song that was on the album before. The album before was a big success. It was when they, do you know when when you know when a band is touring, they have an album in between both mm. in between both styles. And that would have been the album before this, Colour of Spring, where they're like, okay, we can't... They're slightly too afraid to step to... It would be the OK Computer, mm. where they're still got the 
grungier stuff mixed in but they're moving it, the midway points some the of transition, those, yeah. those transition albums can be absolutely incredible yeah. and Colour Spring is but I actually preferred when they went to this Spirit of Eden and Laughingstock which are I don't think they're going to be up your street at all like this song for not not this song but the, the, the start of the album the first song on it we'll be, we're talking two minutes before it really happens yeah like even really, really happens in it yeah but there's like this song Desire is brilliant because the 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 organ that comes in reminds me of a little bit of Ghost mm. actually the way they use it on their slower songs and um, it's it's a weird album because to, to listen to it you just think it's meandering but the, the more you listen to it you realise it's complex and everything's supposed to be there like I said because it's supposed to be and uh, I think they are credited now I don't like doing labels or, or that. It, it, it gets you into all sorts mm. of bullshit but post-rock fans and bands would definitely have taken nods from this where you don't have to be hitting your major parts of your song straight away. You might not even have to have particular major parts of your song yeah. at all. Take your time. There be bits of the songs mixed into it. This song does have pretty big bits in it actually as well, which reminds me of how post-rock works. <laughs> Going really slow and then all of a sudden a big bit and then back yeah. into loads of slow again. Yeah. Listen, Spirit of Eden is a great album. Give it a listen. See what you think. This song, I wouldn't go listen to Desire straight away. It's an album. Yeah. The song is off an album and it even blends in when you listen to it. The whole thing blends in perfectly as well. Hmm. So give the album go from start to finish. If you don't like it, fuck off. Fuck yourself. Do a big fuck off. Who is your, la- your last one? My last one. Uh, my last one is another rapper. It's uh, Tech Nine. You love Tech Nine. I love me some Tech Nine. Uh, all shades of Tech Nine. Questionable Tech Nine. Good Tech Nine. Shy Tech Nine. I love it all. He's quite unique. I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, he's got his own thing going on big time I picked the song Hood Go Crazy uh, which would be a, not a massive hit for him but uh, it's good uh, first of all it's a good fucking song but it's also a good little introduction track again uh, Two it Chains reminds me of, huh? when I first listened to it I listened to it through I listened to the lyrics Yeah, I was like that's to me is a standard rap party yeah. song yep. but then I listened to the lyrics and I was like yeah. Jesus his lyrics are fucking great mm. like they're really good and he's, what he's doing is he's just He's just giving the chorus to the the big party bit. Yeah. But you're listening a little bit further onto this song and there's real good shit happening on it. <laughs> he has a very unique style. So on this song, the, the chorus is done by Two Chains. It's like the, he's the, the, the guest on it. And uh, he's massive. Two Chains is huge. Yeah. Huge. Now, this song, like like you said. He has more than two by now. What? Chains. Chains, yeah. Multiple chains. He's definitely able to afford so many more chains. Tronty train. <laughs> he, boy, he buys two chains an hour Tronty chains yeah um, you, you fuck me up now <laughs> uh, yeah this yeah, I like this song this is a good this is a song I usually fall back on when DJing for techno in because it's if, if it slots in it sounds kind of modern because um, it is but it fits in with kind of what's going on at the moment as well it has a very trap feel to it you know I think you could play this next to DMX party yeah and it's it's fine it it's, goes along with it there's the ghost. That's the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> of the pub that we're not in. <laughs> ghost Whoa, throwing creepy. some stuff around. What was that? I have no idea what that was. Until it's thrown at you. People are getting the 3D really sound. It's the first time I'm turning around <laughs> the mic to look over my shoulder. Because like, I've got my back to that sound Some, now. Something fell. At least you can I see can what's see. coming. I'll let you know if there's a ghost I bet coming. you fucking won't. I bet you I will. I'll give away that down, download code. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this would go crazy. Uh, Technoin's from Kansas City, which is unusual as well for a rapper. Um... One of his first jobs, he was a hype man for Tupac. No way. Yeah. Um, I think he got the job 
something weird. He got the job via like digital underground. You know that dude, the Humpty fucking dance and all that shit. It's something to do with that as well. Um, he was signed to a couple. He was actually signed to Quincy Jones record label, Quest. Signed to them years Should ago. Should have done a shuggy. Yeah. Should have done it, man. <laughs> um, yeah, Quest Records, uh, which is Quincy Jones, his record label. He was signed to like a, a bunch of fucking uh, record labels, but none of it worked out. He actually put records out with Insane Clown Posse. Fuck off. Yeah, he was on that hatchet record. When he was with those record labels, was he <laughs> trying to fit in with their sound? He, he had, I believe he had a, he had like a group, I think they were called Black Mafia. It was like a, like kind of an NWA type of feel. And he went out on his own, he started his own record label called Strange Records, I think it was 1999. And I just, I think he had a pain in his bollocks with being cut from labels and he was getting promised, I think Def Jam wanted it. Can wanted you imagine how much that happens in rap? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh, it must be so yeah. fucking crippling. You're yeah. going to be on my track, Grant. I'll, be, I'll, I'll wait and not do this and I'll yeah. do that. No, yeah. that's not happening. Exactly. Yeah. Because someone just blew up and we got him instead. Oh exactly. God. Yeah. So uh, he uh, yeah started his own record label and the record label is doing extraordinarily well. They signed a bunch of artists. Now nobody, to be brutally honest with you, he probably has twenty artists signed to this strange records record label, and I don't know if anybody gives a fuck about any of the other acts. You know what I mean? Um people just want tech nine albums now he went mad um he went mad and put out like a bunch of fucking collaboration albums a bunch of them he's got like eight eight collabos you know they can be uh they're testing yeah i was gonna they're, say they're fucking testing they're always so up and down you yeah. get a great track and then two absolute scutter well, fests i personally think like the producers are using for these collaboration albums because they're never going to sell as good as a straight singles album um, like production wise is usually shy it's lads are testing out and people giving them freebies and stuff he's got 13 albums of his own of his own that's prolific tends to bang an album out every year now I'm going to be fucking straight with you the last four or five of them haven't done much for me there's songs on them that are super but as a whole not doing an awful lot for me um, if you go back and listen to it, he's got an album called Killer that's fucking fantastic Um uh, Absolute Power was a kind of his force some kind of with Strange Records I think um, he got one called All Sixes and Nines I think it's called All Sixes and Sevens um, it, there's, there's a bunch of really good solid as folk albums but he's he's known for getting really good guest artists to jump on songs with him as well so he's got songs like Eminem he's got songs with because uh, they probably Cube. do genuinely like it they absolutely like, Techno yeah. is one of the guys that is I, I think a lot of artists, a lot of rappers look at him because he's still an independent artist, has his own record label, does tours, does like European tours, American tours, very, very prolific. And he does it all off his own back. Um, so you got people like Ice Cube and lads who've been around for a million years are looking at him going like, fucking hell, I've been giving like a tour to me money away here for the last 30 years and this dude yeah. is fucking keeping all of his. Now, that happens a lot in the South, am I right? I think Florida. So. Possibly think Texas so. as well. Same. But the, uh, think about it. You got your your two coasts, right? It's so big, America. <laughs> 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 so many courses. Um, I can't stop saying stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's so much fun. You've started that on this podcast, and it's so warm. It's so warm. <laughs> it is though. People that heard that podcast when I remember what was. Full sex. It's so warm. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! I'm gonna have to I go. do this every day. I'm now, gonna have I? to go and get a box of Rennies or something. Stop it! I can't. I'm too old. 
Uh, listen, techno in. Just go and listen to techno in. Uh, this is a good song, but go and check it. Go digging for like albums from like six, seven years ago. Go looking. Uh, it's kind of famous for having this chopper style. Uh, it was like a weird kind of machine gun style. Um, he doesn't do it in every song, thank fuck, or else I get real old. But like, lyrically, he's shit hot. His flow is bananas. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> he's able to jump around. He'd be considered one of the kind of best living rappers um, uh, in terms of a uh, range of styles. He's not locked into any one particular thing. Uh, but yeah, go and check out Tech Noyan. Absolutely, that's a Tech Noyan N Noyan any just to differentiate himself. Um, because he tried to step away from sounding like a uh, machine gun. I thought that's what he was going for. I think originally that's what it was, but he came up with some absolute scutter about it not being about that because he didn't want to be associated with Gun crime. fucking skill shootings or something. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, right, what's your your last one? Well, if Talk Talk were the sort of beginning of, well, it's the beginning of a uh, post-rock, this is where... The beginning the f- of pre-post-rock. This is where the feet is kind of grew teeth and a face. Beautiful. Uh, slint. <laughs> okay, yeah. Slint yeah. are a band from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, the song Washer from the album Spiderland, which is just an anomaly of an album. Mm. It's just one of those albums that has so much behind it, story behind it. This band were children when they were playing instruments, like playing mad stuff as kids. <laughs> I think the first band they were in were called Maurice or Morris or something like that. Slunt. Slunt. And uh, a couple of the members were in that. Slint won. They were supporting Sam Hain when they were 14 years old. They were playing gigs with... Uh, you mean selling, you cunt? No, but that's what they call yeah, it. I know. Everyone does, I know. No, but that's what it's, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm a prick for that as well. I've done it with Dalek, I know. I'm just saying. I do it with Kim Bassinger. I do it with Kim Bassinger all the time. Of course. Even though Basinger, it's Kim Basinger. It's, listen, same. I remember walking into a record shop in America once and saying, much that selling album. And they were like, the what? And I was like, selling. Well, generally, if it's a word, if it's a word that Americans are saying, I'll fucking call it. Oh yeah. But if it's a band where they pronounce it that Sam way, Ayn. I think uh, even he calls it Sam Ayn. So, that, so that's yeah. I'm with you. They're they're playing, they're supporting them and stuff like that. Um, they did a first album with Steve Albini, Tweez, and it's. Uh, I don't think. I think the bassist didn't like it so much that he left. It was overproduced for him. That happens with Albini a lot. Yeah, he was like, it was like, that's not the sound. Because if you listen to this, this band, their music is so bizarre. It's this kind of like hypnotic. Uh, it's it's so it's Jesus so grim, so grim, so dark. Stop it! So, Stop it! So it's so dark and so grim. It has these like syncopated rhythms, and it is literally. I hate saying one of the most depressing albums of all time because I don't believe in that. I don't believe in listening. You don't to believe in depression? I do, of course I do. Right, right, crack. Uh, so much crack. So much fun. It's so, so depressed. It's so dark. It's so not warm. It's so low. It's so cold. <laughs> uh, Spiderland was recorded in four days live because they we used to play this album in their fucking dad's basement over and over again for hours and days and weeks over and over again. These rhythms over and over and over again and they wouldn't stop with these little kind of mad things and adding them in. They're, they're such a talented band for kids. Everyone mm. was saying it's like, it doesn't make any sense. They were turning up to hardcore gigs when they were 11. Yeah. They supported uh, some band called like, Malignant Tumor, some mm. hardcore band called Malignant Tumor or something like that. And uh, they were getting laughed at because they couldn't physically ha- carry their amps. They had, really? to get, they had to get that band to help them like <laughs> bring them in and stuff like that. But then they heard them, especially the drummer, uh, Brit, was just like 
it still is one of the, well, I don't know if much he plays much anymore, yeah. but absolutely beast of a drummer. I was watching some videos of him when he's just a little noodle armed baby, yeah. just absolutely smashing him. And he also wrote loads of the guitar stuff as well. Because oh. he's mad. Little. He's got he's got the musical madness. Yeah. Got the talent. Just yeah. Um, got the shining. The shining. Like I was saying, the Spirit of Eden is where it started. Slint is Spiderland is kind of where post rock hmm. now post rock is the one that'll get get name checked by all the post rocky people post rock is a really fucking weird um, genre for me I love listening to it but I don't like talking to other people about it cause yeah it's like till post rocky people are a bit weird yeah they're like yeah. these buttons yeah. down super angry fucking know it all People, yeah, but they don't show their anger. It's just borns inside them, like just borns inside yeah, them. Their little yeah. beanie hats and their yeah. checker shorts. Yeah, yeah, and they're so angry. And it's only when they drink. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that one. I didn't even mean that one. It's just in you now. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> um, okay. Just Spiderland, right? You know the way everyone goes. Sounds terrifying. It's Spiderland. Sounds terrifying. The album, I would not like to live the there. Album is. But the thing about it is, Louisville, Kentucky was apparently, everyone says, watching the documentary, and uh, Ian McKay was like, he's like, when we went there, it's it's fucked up. The people have a madness. It's like, maybe, I don't want to call Donegal out, but you know the way Donegal yeah. has a bit of a madness in well, it? Well, it's, it's Mars, yeah. yeah. It's just, and even, even Monaghan as well. Yeah. There's certain places that just having Monjahan. a little bit of madness in them. Yeah, of course. Like yeah. loads of the north. Yeah, all the north. All the so north so north so they mad they have mad fucking madness in them and apparently Louisville Kentucky was just an absolute batshit place just and about fucking Louisville slugger and all like baseball yeah. bats and all this type of I don't know what else they made in Louisville uh, mad cunts KFC is it? yeah I believe so Kentucky Fried Chicken of course I don't know doesn't mean it's from Louisville it is oh, I'm saying it is so the Colonel's from from Louisville as well do you know Will Oldham Will Oldham Bonnie Prince Billy yeah yeah he was mates with the band and he okay. took the photograph of the cover. The cover of the album and the whole artwork is mad. It's just the four lads sticking their head up out of a quarry in the water. It's actually a really great album. Mm. It doesn't say Slint on it or anything like that. So the represses all have to have a little sticker going. Right. This is Spoiled Land by That Slint. you have to peel off the cellophane. The like back a, of like it. Prick. The back of it has fuck all information other than <laughs> a song list and an advertisement for a singer. Really? And they wanted a female singer. Mm. And apparently... And all the bunches of letters that, that get sent to the Mazgaff mm. still get letters to that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Apparently, PJ Harvey's letters in there somewhere. Really? Yeah, go on. I'm doing it. Let me do it. Neither Let way. me do it. She was she she heard that really early on. Yeah. This album was '91. I think she would have been listened to it. And they all went a bit mad. Mm. The kids doing the album. They were um, the singer. Jesus, what's his name? Spiderman. Brian. Brian McMahon. Uh, the day so he is from Monaghan so he is from Monaghan absolutely <laughs> the day they finished recording the album checked into uh, Mad House Mental yeah. Health Clinic no never came back to the band no, there was no such thing as mental health never came back, back to the band so they never a big house on a hill where yeah. he went yeah. so that's the end of Slint fucking hell the end of Slint is after the second album and it is absolutely without a doubt it's not, it's not questionable one of the most influential albums because it had to I was watching an interview with uh, the producer oh, geez, I can't remember his name and he was saying that they got a certain amount of them pressed mm. and every year there'd be just a massive bump of word of mouth and it, they, they'd sell like lumps of them mm. of the album over the course. They never got back together bar 
bar uh, reunion gig. Mm. That I'd, With a different singer, obviously. No, no. They got him out. He came back. Yeah. Got day release. He's a strange fella. He's a strange fella. Looks like he might have murdered once, but no, no. He's just very soft spoken. <laughs> but there, I really implore people to watch that. I think it's called uh, the Breadcrumb Trail. Is the name of just the name of the first song off Spurland yeah. as well. It's the name of the documentary. It's a really, really good documentary as well. Cool. It goes into how kind of just how strange the whole process was for them. Mm. I don't really know what else to say about Spoilerland. Do you know what I will say about it? You know the way people say the depressing albums, but enjoyable depressing albums. Like I would always say that Disintegration by the Cure is the depression album, mm. where that is concentrated depression, distilled. But but if yeah. you can if you can imagine that if you could put it if you could personify it, and Disintegration was your mate. He'd tell you, oh man, it's all right. I'm always sad as well. <laughs> Spoilerland would be like, if you want to fucking jump, just fucking jump and yeah. don't be annoying me about it. Throw that brick at that train, you bastard. It's so dark. Mm. Like, it's really grim. It's really, but the, and it's hypnotic as well, so it's, it gets in, it gets really into your brain and under your skin. But I swear to God, you won't hear anything like it. Mm. Post-rock have always tried to do stuff like that and stuff like that. And it is... Uh, Massively influential. So yeah, like I said, Spirit of Eden. If you go, if you go into that trail, it's a good trail. Go down that wormhole, that breadcrumb trail. So wormholy. So wormholy. Is that the end of? Our, That's the end of it. I think that this is my favorite playlist to listen to straight through. It is. Yeah, I listen to it straight through the other day. It's very good. And now we've added Gene Clark to it as well instead of Osric Tentacles. That Osric Tentacles song wasn't bad though. I like that. <laughs> it's I did. Fucking thing about Osric Tentacles is <laughs> that amount of albums. I don't really know where to start, hmm. but you can stick on. A random song. If you drag all the stuff in and you stick them on, as we tend to, very easily. They got unfortunately cut because of Gene Clark getting re-released mm. before ID this week. So, uh, right, that's that one. Uh, before we go, I want to say that we recently set up a Patreon page. Uh, this is where we start begging. Uh, basically, we're always going to do this podcast for free. Um, it will always be free. It's we love doing it. It's fun, but it does cost money. Hosting costs money. Facebook ads cost money. Um, it's it's mostly, and I know I took a fucking dig at Facebook, and, and we have friends in Facebook that fucking mm. help us out a lot, actually, which is really good. Um, to you know yourself, if you're on a page, you can't reach all of your own. No, without putting money behind there. So every time we release podcasts, we'll technically have to put like a score behind it, at least, at least to reach just the people on the page. Yeah, yeah, to reach them so they see it exactly. The if we put a post out tomorrow with no uh, money behind it it will reach like 40 people 5 max, to like. 10% yeah. I think is the uh, yeah it's it's, it's so. crazy but you know what it's that's really, the model it, it's so technically really is it's just if we get a few quid we can advertise it so you'll yeah. see it on your timeline yeah um, you, yeah exactly you'll be up to date um, what we're going to do is we're going to do um, we'll do some some content yeah we have a good we have some good ideas for content we have a, we have a fucking brilliant idea we have a great idea and uh, we, won't, we won't give it away yet, but uh, it'll be on Patreon. Um, so once we get to a certain level where Patreon is actually helping us, uh, we put it up today, uh, the day recording, and we've already had a couple of takers. There's people starting to help us, which is fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, but once we hit a certain level where um, th- that money is actually capable of giving us a dig out, whether that be with hosting or with ads um, or just equipment, uh, yeah, we want to buy more gear. Um, we we'll buy more not, gear. Not gear. Yeah, well, not not like heroin or anything like, um, but uh, equipment, recording equipment. Um, we want to get some uh, some portable stuff. So hopefully we can do some, maybe do some interviews. We can work into some of these podcasts yeah. with some musicians. Um, so it's uh, it's Patreon dot com forward slash Lost Art Podcast, all one word. Uh, the links 
links there are there up on the Facebook page and on the Instagram and all that kind of bullshit. So if you laughed one time today, <laughs> yeah, or learned something, there's no tears. We're not doing that. We're not showing our boxes off or our tits. Um, uh, well, it depends on. What well, you give us enough money, like. Yeah. So the basic I'm not real now. Yeah, there's one tier. It's 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 five. It's five dollars. Is what it is. Yeah, it's five dollars. Even less than it's less than a fiver, I think. Um, less than five euro. So it's five dollars. You give that to us. That's every month. That's that's a shit point. And that's, I mean? that's four podcasts, including maybe two bonuses on video and whatever else we're going to be doing. Oh, I hate doing this. It feels weird, but it has to be done. It does have to because be done. it's actually taxing from me. It is. It, like, there's a lot of research. I love it. But I, I fucking hate doing cap and hand shit. I fucking absolutely. I even tried to give my gar- album away to Gary, and he wouldn't even take it. Exactly. So I mean, that's you tried to give me a twelve alphanumeric code, not an album, you bastard. Okay, I'll give you an album. <laughs> anyway, thank you for uh, listening to our criminally narrated. Uh, tell us if you agree or disagree. Uh, I actually would be interested to hear what you say. Also, let us know if you think we should do a volume two to this one. Oh, we, yeah. we definitely could. But so, sooner um, rather than later. Sooner apparently. rather than yeah, later. Okay. I'm, I'm hesitant about repeating ourselves. I don't, I don't want to do too well, I many. I think we can go a year before we start. Yeah, we just give it a good six months before yeah. we start. We give it a whack of time before we go doing volume twos of anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of days.